podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to this evening's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and this evening I am joined by my close associate, Mr Sean McGuigan. Good evening, you okay? I'm, I'm well, Sean, how are you? And I'm very very well, thank you, very well. It's, it's like we wouldn't have asked each other that when we logged on to Zoom before we, we started recording. It's like you asked me how I'm doing and I'll say, listen, I'm not going to answer that, we'll wait until we're recording. But no, you know how I am, I'm, I'm well, it's been a bang average day. Um, there's, there's not really, there's not, not anything to do, is there? You just, you, you work from home and then you, you switch off your laptop and you, you stay at home. I mean, I, I appreciate the first like minute or two of this show as a, as a charade, as we've already had this five minute conversation as we logged on, but it would be kind of weird if we didn't start a show by saying, hello, how are you, I suppose? Yes, I, the, the, the people listening at home or, or in their, their cars or on a run, not for me to judge, but they might think that there's something that, 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 that there's an issue, uh, offline issue that you and I have, and I just want to make it clear that is that's certainly not the case. The only way around this, the only way around this kind of repetitiveness of this uh, conversation is to literally start recording as soon as we come on. Yeah, but then 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 you get like some like shoot comments and stuff, and nobody nobody wants to. Folk are just here for the for a work. They don't want a shoot. Uh, that's that's uh, pro wrestling terms for some of the marks listening at home but uh, and, uh, one of the good things though Sean I've been I promised that this is a, a main show podcast this is going out free this isn't hidden behind some paywall this is the real deal because lower league Scottish football is back baby yes. it kicked off on Friday night with Hart and Midlothian against Dundee and we had 15 world-class games of football over the weekend just generally Sean before we go into start talking about the games how did it feel to have league football back Aye, I've very good, very good. I uh, I was lucky enough to I was lucky enough to be, to be at the at the Wraith Rovers game. I was I was helping out with the website. It was it was a it was strange. It was quite hard to explain. I, I suppose <laughs> it was quite interesting that when that when Wraith I know we'll come into the, the Wraith game later on, but every time Wraith scored, uh, I, I never I never stood up to celebrate. I clapped, yeah. but I never stood up to celebrate. Whereas Obviously, normally if I'm there, even if it isn't a particularly important goal, for example, I would still stand up and cheer and, and clap. But I suppose, I suppose that's almost maybe it was because I'm, I'm kind of like encouraged by the people round about me that are jumping up and doing and, and celebrating. I, it was just a kind of, I, I just kind of clapped when they well, scored the goals. Well, that's that's that, that, that's interesting. I, I, I don't know if it is uh, your emotions are based on, on, on other people around you. I suppose when, when I've been at, at, at Stennis Muir games, my, my role at the home games is a bit of a stranger because I'm the stadium announcer and you're in a little room shut away from everyone else and all the people in front of you are jumping about. You're not, you're within and without. You know, you're not really, you're, you're joining in with the celebrations but you're not necessarily part of them because there's a wall and a, a piece of glass uh, behind you. But I... I I completely agree with your first sentiment about about football being back, the lower leagues being back. It's been brilliant. See the the excitement of 
going and playing Bovril and I say excitement about going online but you know what I mean reading the match thread seeing yep. who's going to be available people putting their teams out people like like really excited people not excited really uh, pessimist about the season immediately after the game as well going on reading the match reports and then the Sunday morning watching the match highlights and, and getting an idea as to how the games have gone that's uh, that, that, that's brilliant fun and that's something that I've, I've really really missed just that immersing yourself in the, the championship in League One and League Two. And like I mean, started off I was watching like Air United Queen of the South highlights and a fairly unremarkable game, but just like, oh man, this is <laughs> so great. That is, was, uh, the, like Air are, Air are generally one of the first teams to, to get their highlights oh, yeah. out. So they they might have been the first game I watched on the Sunday. And you're right. It was like it wasn't. It wasn't a game that will that will live long in the memory. But see, watching the highlights, I was dead chuffed. Yeah, hundred percent. And even even watching like Falkirk TV, you know, for their <laughs> game against Montrose, and just I just hear oh, I'm sorry, Lewis, but that for me is a penalty. You know, that big gun. It's like it's like I've missed you. I've missed you so much. It's, it's, it's great to it's great to have you back. Um, ah, I loved it. But what we're going to do in this podcast was 15 matches that took place in the weekend, as we said it would be almost impossible for us. Well, it would be possible for us to do it. We just don't want to because there's football on the telly tonight and we'd rather watch that. So what we've done is we've picked out two games from the Championship, two games from League One and two games from League Two that we're going to talk a wee bit about in depth and then sum up some of the other results from the weekend and see if we can come to any conclusions as to how the rest of the season's panning out. So we will start, Sean, right at the very beginning with the first game of the lower leagues this season. It was on Friday night, an absolute barnstormer of a game between Hart and Midlothian and Dundee at Tynecastle. Finished 6-2 to the JTs. And I know normally on the terrace, you and I don't necessarily get involved with affairs involving Hart and Midlothian. It's not our team. You normally leave it to one side. But I think this is our opportunity to, to tell the truth. That's what's going on at Tynecastle. We are queuing on but for lower league Scottish football, if you can imagine such a thing. I... Uh, file I, I ring in Scottish football. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I, I, I don't think I need to uh, change how my, my, my thoughts on how Hearts will do this season. I, I thought Hearts would win the league uh, very comfortably and based on Friday, that, that will very much be the case. I may, I may change, based on Friday, I may change how Dundee do this season. I okay. thought... I thought them and Dunfermline would be the, the, the kind of best of the rest mm-hmm. uh, and would finish second and third in, in some semblance of order. Based on Friday, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember, I remember if you go back to, and funnily enough, it was, a, it was a Friday night as well, so Dundee's first game of last season was against Dunfermline. They went to East End Park. And the, very, uh, the first half of that game, they got absolutely pummeled. They were 2-0 down at, at half-time. Dunfermline could have been three or four up quite easily. And then the manager, James McPake, got them in, changed the formation, and they were much better in the second half and ended up coming away with a, a two-all draw that was maybe deserved. And we're now, what, 14 months later, and it looks like McPake still doesn't know how to start games properly. Mm-hmm. They were 4-1 down uh, in, in the first half. He'd his his starting selection, his starting formation was odd. The the, the three five two. He made changes uh, at the start of the second half, and they looked much better. But it's the fact that he's now been in the position for quite a while, and he still doesn't look like he knows his best lineup. Doesn't look like he knows his his best formation. And I, I don't see I, I don't see how Dundee 
progress under McPeak. He, he, I mean, you look at his. We we, we thought uh, we thought three centre halves was not the way forward for Dundee of uh, Jordan Forster, Lee Ashcroft, and Jordan McGee, and then with Jack Hamilton behind them. I mean, I uh, I, I said in a I said in a, a, a Patreon with Fowler uh, last week, and I stand by it. The only way Jack Hamilton can be a goalkeeper for a team that finishes second in any division as if that team was expected to win the league by a mile. Now, to be fair, he may only have been at fault for maybe one at the six, possibly two uh, at a push, but I just don't think he inspires any confidence no. in the players in front of them. They, they played Paul McGowan up, up front, and I know, he's been doing, I know they've been doing that pre-season in the League Cup. I think that's a strange decision. Uh, I think signing Osman So. so. <laughs> I mean... When was Osman so last? When was Osman so last fit? I mean, you're probably, and, going, you're probably going back to the start of the fourteen fifteen season when he signed for Hearts. So he had. So, so let me get this right. He was good in the Championship season, which I think was twenty fourteen fifteen. Yep. Did he have half a season in the Premiership? Fifteen. Yeah, he got sold to China. Then he went to China. So he he's not been good since then. And and they've they've even had examples of him being in Scottish football recently and doing nothing for Kilmarnock and then Dundee United. He did nothing again on, on Friday night. I believe he's on a, as far as I'm aware, he's on a pay-as-you-play deal. I think so, yeah, that's a talk. So how he pays his mortgage from this week going forward, I'm not because <laughs> he surely can't be getting a game. He, he was just, he, he looks like he's done, and that, that's, a, that's a horrible thing to say, but he, he looks like he's done. Yeah, I wasn't uh, in. Uh, yeah, sorry, well, just to, just to back, back up some of your points there, Sean, I, I wasn't particularly impressed by what I saw from Dundee. I thought they were quite one pace, one dimensional. They, they, they seemed to get overwhelmed by Hearts quite a lot. And I think that was, that was both to do with, um, with Hearts' press. And you could see that right from the kickoff, Hearts were, Hearts were going for them. There was someone, I, I can't remember quite who, but, but a Dundee player, the ball got played back to him and he was robbed and, and, and Hearts were, were in on goal. But I think the formation didn't help them. The players, I don't think it particularly suits them. You're right, you talk about three at the back when you've got defenders that aren't particularly comfortable at playing with the ball. I think Charlie Adam was a... Was a it's hard to talk about Adam because in terms of talent alone, he is miles ahead of, of like most players in that division. Only when he's on the ball. Yes, that's what I was going to say, only he's on the ball. But you really need to, 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 to build the team around him. There's a couple of occasions where... He, he, he lost possession and then it says by, by, by trying to be a bit too clever I think he's trying to do too much I, I, I think that, that you can build a team around Charlie Adam but you do need willing runners in the middle of the park and I'm not sure if guys like um, like Graham Dorans or, or like Finn Robertson are the, 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 the players to, to do that I don't know I don't know Dorans has sort of made a career uh, on the back of hard graft uh, rather than anything else but he's he's more advanced in an age and, and Finn Robertson's really j- just starting out in his career but I, I, I wasn't too impressed by soft them but I don't know if that is because Hart and Midlothian just looked really really good I mean in, in terms of in terms of Charlie Adam so if you if you pick if you if you select Charlie Adam and you're starting 11 then you know right away or you should do that you are you are creating a lot of slack in your team that the rest of them need to the rest of them need to, to, to kind of pull on. And I don't know if Dundee have anybody else that, that can kind of pick up that slack that Charlie Adam will create. Ah, he looks great on the ball. He scored a very good goal. 
Hearts defending at that goal wasn't great, and that, that might be a, a concern going forward, but not if they're scoring six every week. Uh, but aye, they, they, they did look better when they changed their shape, when they brought on uh, Arthur Labby, when they brought on uh, uh, Danny Mullen. Yeah, good they, goal they, as well. Danny Mullen scored very well taken. Then Dundee looked better. But uh, hearts were hearts were streets uh, streets ahead. I, I I don't know I don't know if you watched the game afraid. Did you see uh, Did you see Stephen Stephen Presley's analysis? Well, when he finally got it out, <laughs> it's like it's just, I I don't know. It's like everything that, that Stephen Presley said was in slow motion. His uh, his head kept rotating. <laughs> Like it was. Uh, it was. It was like. Uh, I've actually just forgotten the name. But the. You know when the these the automated cameras don't know which way to look during a warm up. Yeah. So the pixel art cameras. The pixel art cameras. His head. It was like. It was like his. Uh, <laughs> He's going from left to right. I'm presuming he was distracted by a monitor and and kept looking. But I. I in general, getting back to hearts or, or getting to hearts. They. Uh, I mean, in terms of in terms of their fullbacks position. So. I mean, I know there was rumours during the summer that Stephen Kingsley was potentially going to Falkirk. Imagine he went to Falkirk. That would be, like, for him, for, for a player of that quality to be playing in League One, that would have been an astonishing coup for Falkirk. But based on that performance, I mean, the goals, I think, obviously, the goals he scored were, were absolutely stunning. The free kick, especially, was outstanding. But even if he hadn't scored those goals, you'd still be saying how good his performance was. He, he, he looked exceptional. I mean, I know there was, I know there's a concern about uh, about his fitness going forward. I, I think he's had fitness issues in the past, but judging by judged by Friday evening, his his signing could be a, a real coup for Hearts. But I, they were there were streets ahead, uh, and I I cannot see anybody being within geez, oh, 15 to 20 points of them based on based on Friday. However, it'd be very funny if they didn't win the league based on that tweet with the uh, where it began. <laughs> that's the thing that's the thing if you if you know you, you strike out when you're on top you know the risks you, you know the risk it's a, it's a calculated risk putting a tweet out like that Hearts can do that and the knowledge thing we've had a brilliant result we're likely to win the league that's so so you weigh up it's the, it's the, it's the, the pros, pros and the cons was, was there anyone else from in fact just while I was talking about Stephen Kingsley sorry before we move on I'm sure uh, Presley was, was quite keen to take credit for his development as a player uh, he is keen to take credit for a, a lot of things that probably weren't down to him D- yes I, 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 I'd probably agree with that but there's another Another manager the more, there who's the more, uh, looking the more, the, more that time, the more that time progresses, I can't help but feeling that Stephen Presley isn't a very good manager. No, no. It's just it's quite interesting though that these guys who are using their, their half-time out-of-work managers who are using their appearances on uh, BBC Scotland's football coverage to advertise their wares. Uh, well, they're being interviewed by two presenters as well. That was something that was quite interesting. Hi, so, uh, so, so uh, Jonathan Sutherland would pass his question to Leanne Crichton. So who would then pass on? Pass the question on <laughs> Stephen Presley. It was, it was unusual. I'll, I'll, yeah. certainly get, I'll certainly give them that. Yeah, it's, it's like that um, when you were at school and you wanted someone wanted to ask someone out. Rather than do it yourself, you'd ask your mate to do it. <laughs> Same sort of thing, but football questions. Was there anyone else from Hart of Midlothian that stood out, Sean? Uh, Michael Smith. Again, Michael Smith yeah. makes a massive difference. Uh, coming for the right back position, I, I didn't expect them. Uh, I didn't expect them to be gallivanting forward and, and scoring the opening goal. But then, to be fair, when you're up against Jordan Foster, anything is possible. But again, that uh, 
the kind of balance that, that Smith and Kingsley gives them for those those fullback positions will uh, would 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 cause difficulties for for any side. I'd, look, looking at that Hearts team, actually, I I think they look like a a kind of mid-table Premiership team. Oh, let's not get into that argument there about Hearts have got the sixth best squad in the country. Regardless of what happens this season, Hearts will have the thirteenth best squad <laughs> in the country. That's just that's just the way it works. But not, I not that. I mean, this was this was a Hearts team that, that were able to. Stephen Naismith didn't, didn't play. I don't know if he's one hundred percent fit, but they're able to bring on Peter Haring. Hopefully, we can see more from him this season. Uh, he might not have the legs to do it, but his, his ability has never been in doubt. And Andy Halliday came on and, and scored a, a goal right to the death. He could be a, a useful player for Hearts, given that he can fill in, in uh, several positions. Uh, they, still have, they still have that squad depth that allows them to, to play about three different teams, uh, can, can, depending, on the, uh, depending on what's happening. Yeah, and, and fair play as well to, I thought, Craig Halkett and Mikel Popescu looked good. There's the, certainly the makings of a, a strong partnership there. But you got to say it was against quite limited opposition, so you don't want to draw too many conclusions. They've, but then we're, we're trying to try, to draw, try not to draw conclusions against Hearts, but what is likely to be their most difficult game of the season? I mean, if it's not against Dundee, then, then, then who, who's it going to be against? Uh, Dunfermline. Dunfermline. I, I, I still fancy Dunfermline for a second. They, they weren't overly impressive against Inverness. They, they went a goal down. Uh, uh, Todorov scored after about two minutes. Todorov was then forced off injured. And I don't think Inverness had any forwards on the bench. They were already down to bare bones. So that, that ultimately affected them. But Dunfermline were, Dunfermline were worthy 3-1 winners. So I, I would still see them as being uh, likely to finish second, but not not even remotely challenging Hearts but that is that would be Hearts most difficult game yeah definitely Sean the, the other game I wanted to, to, to look a bit more in depth about was you've touched on it earlier the game you attended between Wraith Rovers and Arbroath I thought on paper this looked a quite a, 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 a bit of a I fancied Wraith Rovers to win I thought but I thought it was a fairly difficult way to start off the season didn't prove to be though it was a weird game because for 20 minutes it kind of panned out how I expected it in a, a kind of worst case scenario because Wraith were second best, our both were, were doing very well, they were creating chances and Wraith weren't getting much of a snap because you know our both have, uh, have a very impressive back four, mm-hmm. they have dangerous players going forward and then the kind of two central midfielders in uh, Miko Vertonen and, and Gavin Swanky that aren't going to give too much away in the middle of the park. Jamie McDonald had an exceptional save from Michael McKenna at 0-0. Luke Donnelly beat the offside trap uh, and missed a sitter at 0-0. James Cregan was getting forward quite well from the, the left-back position and uh, Jason Thompson was getting forward well from the right-back position. Cregan had a good chance that, that was blocked and I had a text... I text Andy Harrow and his brother Kenny Harrow after uh, maybe 25 minutes to say Rovers are, Rovers are actually really kind of toiling here mm-hmm. and then within two minutes the Rovers were 1-0 up and then Yeah, tell, point, me, tell me about that goal, Sean Yeah, so Regan Tumulty is uh, Regan Tumulty has started this season at right back he's, he's replaced uh, Michael Miller he, oh, Of course, uh, sorry Tumulty was he came from Greenock Morton I'm sure yeah. that around this time last year he was impressing and loan at Dumbarton Dumbarton, yeah so he uh, he's taken a wee while to go up to speed. He, he didn't stand out particularly in pre-season or, or League Cup games. He struggled a wee bit against these five. 
but he, he got forward really well from, from the right-back position. And it, it's interesting that the difference to last season. So last season, Michael Miller didn't really get forward for right-back, but Kieran McDonald got forward very well from, from left-back. Mm-hmm. Miller scored a lot of goals, but a lot of them for, were from set-pieces. Based on Saturday, Regan Tumulty also wants to get forward. So it was, it was him that kind of fed Daniel Armstrong for the, for the right-hand side. Armstrong cut in and just unleashed a kind of 25-yard drive into the, the kind of left-hand corner of Derek Gaston's net. It was a very, very good goal. And that's... Daniel Armstrong is another one who impressed very well when he first came to Wraith Rovers when they were in, uh, when they were in League One. Went so to just while well, you've seen that there, right? I, I remember being asked by the SPFL to, to make my League One team of the year and I put Danny Armstrong in it. And this is despite the fact of him playing nine games. But I was like, my goodness, he was, he was very, very good in those nine games. So from that, that very concentrated number of games, it was just general excellent. But I was told by an associate of the SPFL, no, you can't include him because he wasn't there long enough. You've got to put in Kevin this bit. So there you go. There's a little peek behind the curtain as to how on that organisation <laughs> and rightly so, to be fair. Uh, but aye, that, I mean, Saturday showed exactly what Armstrong can, can do. I mean, he, he's got great long-range shooting. He is skillful. He can beat a man. He uh, has, has got pace. And it was, it, it was quite a... And I mentioned this earlier today, actually, that the transformation of John McGlynn from a manager who just wants to lump it long to two difficult, pacey strikers and yeah. hope for the best... To this, I mean, at one point on Saturday, Wraith had a six on one because <laughs> a six on one. Everybody just wants to get forward. They, they, they made a complete pig's ear of six on one. <laughs> Someone managed to not score it. But Kieran McDonald wants to get forward for left back. Regan Tumity wants to get forward for right back. Ethan Ross, who they've got on loan from Aberdeen, is doing very well on the left hand side. Yeah. Daniel Armstrong wants to get forward on the right hand side. Manny Duku, who Again, kind of struggled pre-season in the League Cup games. He was a real handful on Saturdays. Uh, he's kind of difficult in the air. He was he had some good hold-up play. It was quite impressive for him leading the line. And then behind him, uh, in the kind of number 10 position, you had Dylan Tate. So you, you really had six players who wanted to get forward. And then behind him, behind them, sorry, you've got Regan Henry, who sits in front of the back four, but wants to get forward as well. I mean, it's such a, an attack-minded team. What I would say is, if I brought had taken the lead, which they should have done, mm-hmm. um, it would be interesting to see how Wraith had reacted to that. It was quite interesting because the the, the, the the rest of the first half seemed to be a bit of a collapse because after Armstrong scores, Tumulty gets one not long afterwards and then not long after that, Reagan Henry gets a penalty and it's 3-0 going into the interval. There was quite a collapse, a surprising uh, collapse for Arbroath and not one that you particularly expected. And then in the second half, they, they had to push forward. Uh, Bobby Lynn come on for uh, Scott Stewart. I thought it was weird that Scott Stewart started on the left-hand side of midfield, but he, I was going to say he made his name, but there's, there's probably only about 178 people that know who he is. <laughs> but he, I mean, he was a right-back at Airdrie, an attack-minded right-back, and sometimes played slightly further forward. No, I'm sure, I'm sure seeing him at Airdrie was a, 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 a wide in the left. He could play left-back or one-up. Uh, I, I checked and, I, I, and it could be wrong but they say he's only played about eight games at left midfield and all at Arbroath but that's, that website was maybe a load of rubbish maybe in fact I remember there was one game Stennis Muir beat Airdrionians and he turned in he was playing it was against Alan Cook who was playing left wing so that might be right actually but uh, Scott Stewart was 
got turned inside out by him. Like consistently, it was it was one of the poorest individual performances I, I think I've seen. So maybe it's me that's talking shit. <laughs> but it, as, soon as, as soon as Lynn came on in the second half, that gave uh, that gave Tumulty something else to think about because he, he didn't really have to defend in that first half. But regardless, I was. Uh, I, I was very impressed at Wraith. It was uh, it was a performance I wasn't expecting. It was a performance I wasn't expecting from from Arbroath, and it's difficult because we, we didn't have any context. So Arbroath might finish bottom this season, so it might not be that good that good a performance for, for Wraith. It's going to take a few a, a kind of few weeks for 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 kind of results and, and narratives to, to to build up. But the of the teams that I expected Wraith to be in about Queen of South, Morton, Alloa, Arbroath. I didn't see too much to, to be a wee bit worried about. Okay, what about, what about the second half, Sean? I mean, nothing much happened. I know that uh, Hendry missed a second penalty. Thomas O'Brien collected two bookings and was, was sent off. I watched the highlights. I wasn't 100% sure what he did. Was it a handball that he was sent off for? Uh, aye, I mean, <laughs> the, the penalty seemed harsh. And it was even a strange one in terms of it. So, uh, I can't remember who hit the shot, but Thomas O'Brien, he literally brought his hands in, into his body. So right. if, yeah, that's, if, that's, if that's what I thought it was weird. If he'd actually moved his, if he'd put his hands out to the unnatural position, in inverted commas, it would have hit him in the chest. Now, I, I can't be arsed reading rule books. So whether that's, a penalty, whether that's a penalty or not, I have no idea. But the penalty was given. But what I thought was very harsh was, he was already on a booking, and then he got a second yellow card. Yeah. Now, it definitely wasn't deliberate. But the strange thing was when it might have been Jason Thompson went to the referee and, and, and obviously asked for an explanation, the referee actually gest- gestured to moving his hands in, into the middle of his body. Like as if he said, well, that's where Thomas O'Brien put his arms. I suppose though, in a sense, that that is, that's like if your arm's out and it gets hit, that's, that's a penalty. But then if you're moving... Where the, where the ball's going like if you bring your hands into your chest and that's that's handball as well why is he not letting that hit his chest a player like Thomas O'Brien why is he not letting that just bounce off his chest okay that's a very valid point that I hadn't really considered uh, that's, that's that, just, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem to, to make any sense if the, if the ball if the ball's going to hit you why would you why would you, why would you bring your arms in close to you be, and, and run the risk of, of collecting a, a, a booking or giving away a foul Maybe he had a, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a whooping cough and uh, was trying to protect his chest. I, I don't know. I don't know. It was, a, it was a strange decision from Thomas O'Brien and a strange decision from the referee. And in terms of the second half... So uh, I'm just imagining um, Thomas O'Brien having a, a Victorian illness. <laughs> the staggers. <laughs> Some other, other sort of stuff. Scarlet fever. I don't know. It was, it was just because those things were still a thing when I was a youngster, and so I'm, I'm still aware. <laughs> I always feel bad sometimes, Sean, about bodying you for your for your age, uh, and then think, "Now nah, that's a bit harsh." But then, if you do it yourself, <laughs> then that's, uh, that's that's fine. It's all it's all just laugh a minute here, and then and sorry, and just just to finish up on this one, they missed a penalty. Henry missed a penalty at the end. Uh, yes, Manny Manny Duku was very frustrated because uh, Henry grabbed it. Duku obviously wanted to take it to to get himself off the mark, and then Henry. Mm. Possibly a better penalty than his first one. Actually, put it in the uh, would have been Gaston's right hand side. A, a, a decent save okay. for Gaston. But in terms of the general, the second half, the Rovers missed a lot of chances uh, and and could have had if they'd been clinical. It could have been it could have been five or six. 
You know something, so going, going back to that thing you said there about Duku wanting a, a penalty, to wanting to take the penalty, that's a cheat for your first goal. You don't, when you're 3-0 up, you don't give it to the div kid to, to score and get his confidence up. You've got to, you know some. it's like hitting, a, hitting the first penalty if it's, the scores are 0-0 or you're behind and you hit the penalty. That's a proper goal. Or you score an open play or from a, like a, a header from a corner. That's a proper goal. You don't, for your first goal, you do, that's a pity goal. I'm sure then Manchester United, when Diego, remember Diego Forlan played for Manchester United and he went yep. months without scoring and they gave him a penalty there when they gave him it and he missed it. I just think that is, uh, to be fair, I mean, Forlan had the last laugh. I mean, he turned into a, like a, a world-class striker at the finish. It was at Atletico Madrid. I'm sure he, he went on to, to play for. But regardless, um, Doku will just, uh, will just have to wait. The other games in that division, Sean, we've touched on Dunfermline beating Inverness, Caledonian Thistle. We had Air United beating Queen of the South 2-1. I, I, from from the, watching the highlights from that match, I Air United took a, a, a two-goal lead, two goals, very similar circumstances, two corners, two goals from uh, Mikey Miller. But Queen of the South didn't look as bad as I was anticipating. No, that was that was exactly what I thought. They they didn't look quite as bad. Air United maybe didn't look quite as good. Although, albeit, I, I think Air United were, were missing quite a few players in, in Queen of South. I Tom Walsh was out, um, and uh, but they signed Cammy Smith. Cammy Smith's coming on loan from Dundee United today, uh, so I think that could be a really uh, good piece of business for Air United. Yeah, very much so. That's I still I would still fancy here for. I think fourth place is is all to play for. I think it's very open, but I would still. Uh, I'll still fancy it here to take it. And Greenock Morton beat Aloha Athletic 1-0. Other than some beef between uh, between Morton fans and the Aloha Twitter account, there probably wasn't too much to uh, to discuss in that one. Would you say fair play to the Aloha Twitter account? It's I, I don't understand where this uh, this this chippiness has has come from. I mean, the Greenock Morton put the highlights up, but they failed to include an Alan Trouton shot that hit the bar. Yes, uh, and and it was it was uh, it, it was a fairly well not a big moment in the match, but it was a, it was quite a big thing not to it was, it was a strange thing not to include in the highlights. Yeah, but they posted it with that see that emoji the, the thinking the confused thinking emoji. Least one of my least favourite emojis. Why? Just because just the only people that tend to use it are arseholes, really. <laughs> in my experience, maybe that's that's clouded the way that I'm seeing from um, the Aloha Athletic Twitter account. But then they posted a screenshot of a, a, a still image. A, a still image. I completely out of context. Like, I didn't know who was in the attack, who was supposed to be defending, uh, what what the what the perceived injustice. <laughs> was in this image but I, I don't know I mean they posted a 16 year old boy um, so uh, fair play you know if you can't you know picking 16 year olds the ones that can't defend themselves um, why don't you Sean we'll take a look into take a donder down to your old stomping ground Scottish League 1 uh, some really interesting results here well, I'll say some really interesting results. I think, I think most of the games would have probably gone how the, most people would have expected, with the exception of this one. It was Clyde 1, Partick Thistle 0. And again, I can only go speak on the highlights that I watched. I thought it was uh, Clyde were probably the better of the two teams, but it was fairly even. It maybe wasn't as bad as some Partick Thistle fans might be feeling after. Obviously, there's a bit of embarrassment going into the your new season, you've been relegated into uh, was effectively a part-time division. You're hoping you can keep pace with Falkirk. 
Falkirk lay down a get a, Falkirk record a pretty good win at Montrose. You job at Clyde, and your goalkeeper was probably your best player. I I don't know. I, I mean, you're saying it was even. I, I didn't see too many saves for David Mitchell, the Clyde goalkeeper. That's to be fair. I thought on the balance of play, for Jamie Sneddon. I, I thought I thought Patrick looked. I thought Patrick looked really poor, and. The, I, I presume they would they would be a challenger for Falkirk, and I actually presume that it would be quite close. I think the injury to I think injury to Declan Glass is massive because I thought yeah. he could be I thought he could have been their main player in, in midfield. And, and you look at who you look at who was in there instead of him, Shea Gordon and Stuart Bannigan. Yeah. Like neither of them can do what what Declan Glass would have done. No, you're absolutely right. I think that that is one of the big dis- that's it's, it's a shame that one of the biggest disappointments of the season has happened already because I haven't seen Glass at Cove Rangers last season. Thing when he went back to Dundee United that he that he play a role there didn't quite that didn't quite happen. However, him going to going to Thistle like looked like on paper like a, a very sensible piece of business and it could have really helped him kick on and, and build for going back to Dundee United next season. Uh, so that's that's just a, 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 a really such a classy player, and I, I really hope he recovers from it. I, I mean, I know they were, I know they were missing players. I mean, Brian Graham got a red card in the League Cup. He'll make a difference up front. Uh, Zach Rudden was injured. I think he will presumably make a difference when he comes back. Blair Lyons came off the bench. I mean, if Blair Lyons plays say wide left or, or through the middle again, he would make a difference. As much as I am a, a Joe Cardo fan. 33-year-old Joe Cardo playing wide left. He's he might be coming to the to the end of his usefulness. But they they look like they have issues. And and just in just in terms of numbers, I mean Falkirk finished second last season and they only lost four games. Yeah. You know, Patrick's already lost one. Yeah. And like they're already playing catch up. And they've got they've got a really difficult run of games coming up. I can't remember which order it's in. I think it's I think they play Airdrie this Saturday. Who started off reasonably well? They had a yeah. decent one against Peterhead. Then they go to Cove Rangers, who we'll talk about. Then they play Falkirk. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be impossible to say that they could get through those first four games and 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 might only have a handful of points. And that's yeah, that's that, 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 that makes it impossible. You know, when we did that podcast about managers who were under pressure, this is something. This is something we said. That say Falkirk win the first three games, which isn't inconceivable. I mean, they've won one of them, and that was that was away at Montrose. They win the next two games. Thistle only pick up. Thistle win the next one, draw the next one. You're five points behind already. You know that's a, a, even at an early stage of the season. That's a bit of a you know mentally that's a bit of a deficit to try and claw back. And if you extrapolate that over the course of the season, then then that's. I'm not saying that Falkirk would have a perfect season, but you know what I mean. That's a very uh, difficult to try and um, but, come back but, from. Well, well, we'll go back a couple of seasons. Remember when it was Arbroath and Wraith? Yes. Arbroath were unbeaten until December the 24th. Wraith, Wraith beat them at Gayfield. And that maybe, I think that reduced the deficit to something like seven points. But at no point did Rovers ever look like they were going to claw back those those 10 points. Yeah. As you see that, the kind of... Uh, the kind of mental, the kind of mental fortitude that that Wraith would come back for that, they, they never looked like they had it. I mean, ultimately ended up finishing third. Was there not a game they played at Gayfield where Danny? If this is one of Danny Armstrong's games, I'm sure he scored two free kicks in it. The the first goal was a free kick. I think Buchanan might have got the. I think Buchanan might have got the other goal, but, but Armstrong scored the goal, first. Goal of the season contender. I was goal of the season contender, and you're thinking, wow, 
this is their chance to claw it back. And I'm sure next week our both won and Wraith Rovers lost, or, yeah. or certainly uh, Wraith Rovers dropped points against them, or did, did, weren't able to, to build in that win. Yeah, but they did, they're, they're so difficult to, to, to claw that gap back. But based on Saturday, Partick will be nowhere near winning the league. Uh, Clyde, Clyde looked a better team. Yeah. Again, do I think that I need to readjust where I think Clyde will finish? I, I still think Clyde will probably be mid-table. Uh, they, they, I, I like the look of, I, I like the look of, is it Christopher Sivestrin? Christopher Sivestrin, yeah, Norwegian Chris, as he's, uh, as he's nicknamed. I mean, he, he missed pretty much all of last season, and I think it's probably a huge loss. However, as much as they now have him, and I know I'll be like this, oh, he's like a new player. Uh, <laughs> for injury. But they're still gonna miss uh they're still gonna miss Ray Grant, they're still gonna miss Chris McStay, mm-hmm. and I still think they're probably weaker than, than last season in it. I still don't see them troubling the, the, the top four as as good as they were on Saturday. Yeah, I, th- I, I what I saw from, from, from those highlights, I was I was very impressed with, with Clyde as an attacking unit, albeit the movement was good and the passing was good. I think the, some of the finishing let them down at times. As we said though, I'd say some of the finishing let them down. There was one where I think it was who was it? Was it David Goodwillie played in a ball for for Chris Johnson one and one, and you're expecting Johnson to hit the back of the net, but Snedden it was a very very good save from from Jamie Snedden, and then as we said at the start, that's it's worrying if your goalkeeper was was the best player there. Uh, and I, and I know you sorry, I know you're talking about Clyde being a, an impressive going forward, but even at the back, the fact that they have been able to bring in Tom Lang feels like I know they had him oh. at the end of last season. I think they got him back on loan, didn't they? Yeah, that still feels like a a, a brilliant move for them because that is somebody who I was surprised didn't get more of a chance at Dunfermline and I'm I'm surprised he's he's ended up going back to League One I think maybe it allows him to spend his uh, full time uh, modelling he's, he's a, a very handsome man a very handsome yes. man aye very very handsome man uh, but yeah I thought I, Ali Love's goal was really really well taken uh, just it was a, a great finishing went through Ross Doherty's legs may have left Snedden a bit unsighted but Snedden did really well I think he saved from a, a good willy chance in the good, ball good willy was right through he'd, he'd saved the initial shot and then Ali Love uh, kind of rammed in the rebound but as you say it was really good technique to, to, to kind of drill it in yeah I, I would agree with what, what you're saying about Clyde I expect Clyde too good to be involved in the relegation scrap, but not quite good enough to penetrate the top four. Two teams, though, who will have their eyes on a top four finish uh, met at Balmoral Park. It was, in fact, sorry, one thing just before we move on. That was, that's, that's a shame because that was a really good link. One thing I wanted to say about the, the Clyde highlights, they were using cameras that were in different stands. So they had a pixel camera in one stand and then a handheld camera in the other, and they were editing between them. So because they were in opposite stands, you would see the play Clyde were attacking like from right to left on the screen, but then when it went into a replay, Clyde would be attacking from left to right. So I mean, it, was just, it took me a wee bit to, to work out what was going on. I thought, oh, was this skipped on to the second half? And I was like, no, it's just been edited uh, quite weirdly. Air uh, United do that as well, and it is very, very, very confusing. You know what you should do? Just put like reverse angle and like just flip the, the, the image so that everyone's just back to front, but it looks as though play is all moving in the, the right direction. Also, a good shout for the, the commentator on the, the Clyde game. I, I liked what I heard from him. I think when, when fans are involved <laughs> doing commentary, that can, can always be a bit worrying because the, the, while the enthusiasm and the passion for the club is, is always there, the, the quality might not necessarily will be, but um, the, the guy for Clyde was, was really good. So I just call, called it, call, called it, uh, was in, called it well, was enthusiastic without being annoying. 
I, I get quite annoyed by commentators being partisan unless they are very partisan. So, like, when Falkirk were doing it, like, I thought that was very funny, especially when it was going poorly. Mm. But in general terms, uh, I had a, just, just, just a kind of biasness when you are when you're doing something like whether it's a match report, whether it's commentary, I, 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 I don't think you should. Do you remember last season? It would have been last season. Cove Rangers were beaten 6-1 down at Annan. Do you ever mm-hmm. remember reading the match report on their website? Yeah. And it yeah. was like a, an injury hit Cove Rangers. Like just basically from the very, very first line, it completed everything it could to diminish Annan Athletic, absolutely smashing them. It was like, oh, they, they went down there and the referee didn't help them. He sent off a player and it was just absolutely pathetic. That's small time and it's pathetic and it does not look good in the club. No, but we'll, we'll stick with Cove Rangers because they turned down a, a very impressive performance, laid down an early marker by beating East 5-3-1 at Balmoral Park. Uh, we'll just watch the highlights from this match before we got going. And the one thing I will need to say about East 5 TV, the commentator needs to take about 10 steps back from his microphone. I, I thought it sounded like, if you can try and imagine this, if you can imagine a commentator talking about a game while piloting a Spitfire. <laughs> I, I could barely make out a word uh, over, over the propellers that appeared to be right next to him. Yeah, it, it also sounded like he was, he was drilling next to somebody digging up a road. It was just, it was just so loud, or it just, it, the microphone was right up in his mouth. I could honestly, like, it just, I could, I, you could just hear, you, could, you were just so aware of him. And it really is a shame because it took you out of the match. I think East 5 TV is generally very good. And, and I think that actually the East 5 TV commentator is very good. It just needs to just turn the game down. Turn the game down. Maybe put your headphones on, listen to it. And if you can hear what you had for dinner last night, then maybe just take a couple of, just, 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 just working it. No. Uh, what do you think of this match, Sean? Uh, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what I thought of this match. I thought that, Cove Rangers were worthy winners. They were the, the better side throughout the opening exchanges. Um, the, the match, I suppose, the turning point, you might say, would have been Danny Denham's red card on 37 minutes. But even prior to that, uh, Cove Rangers looked like the better side. Even Mitch Meganson missed a penalty after about uh, a half an hour or so. So I think uh, even although you could say, yeah, it was against 10 men and then subsequently nine men, Aaron Dunsmore got sent off right at the end. Even though the, the, the wind was blown in that direction, uh, as much as they, yeah, so, so based on the highlights, Cove looked like they had the, the, the better of the first third of the game. However, the scoring didn't start until Denham was, was dismissed. In fact, the, the opening goal came from, I think the opening goal came from the, the free kick, free kick yeah. that Denham gave away. Did, it was think, a red card. Do you think it was a red card? I, I do. I think that, that you've seen it before where someone wins, a player wins possession and the, 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 like they're pumped up, they win possession back and the ball breaks and they just throw them to, and another player's about to get it and just throw themselves into it. And I thought that Danny looked like he was out of control a wee bit. Like his, his foot was raised. I do think it was a red card. There's a bit where he, he did look out of control. I know. I, I thought it was rush. I thought he, I thought he might have got the ball with, with one foot, but kind of absolutely clattered them with, with, with the other foot. I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was red card worthy. 
Like full disclosure, I'm I'm, I'm friends with Danny. Uh, I did a podcast with him for for uh, telling his Pelly back in 2018, <clears throat> and I've I've just kept in touch with him since. I think the fact that he's probably a bit of a nerd as well kind kind of helps rather than some of these more macho football players that I tend to interview. You want the student types, you know. So like, I'm, I'm 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 saying I'm on pretty good terms with Danny, and after that match. I text him and just said like, "Oh, I was like, I was reading in Pine Bovril. You still let the team down. I was reading Pine Bovril. If you did that in the street, you'd be locked up for it." <laughs> I was reading in Pine Bovril saying, "There's no place for people like you in today's game." So I just bamming him up, and he te- he, te- he texts back and said that uh, any time that he, if he scores in a game, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody gets in touch with him. But see if he gets sent off, like he's been sent off a couple of times in his career. Pelters, absolutely. Loads of people. Uh, do, do, do you think that's a, a peculiarly Scottish thing? That you want to get in touch with people uh, when they've done something bad rather than more inclined to slag somebody off than give them a compliment? Maybe. Maybe. He showed me a screenshot as well from. He showed me a screenshot from a, a, a teacher's group chat that he's in. <laughs> somebody put Tut, Tut Mr. Denham. I thought I like that is that is a hundred percent a teacher's teacher's patter in the in the group chat. But I I did think it was a penalty. But but you're right. The the free kick went and I think it got played wide and then got chipped in and um, Meganson scored from it. Yeah, and it's funny. So I thought going into this game, I thought right, Cove probably have a squad that is. Maybe good enough to to finish third, and I wouldn't expect them to to challenge Falkirk or Paddock Thistle, but they spent a lot of money, and who knows, maybe they could dark horses to, to at least make a wee bit of challenge. Looking at two teams, I still think East Fife might have a. They look like they might have a better start in eleven. I mean, yep, Mitch Megason is a good player. Uh, Jamie Masson on one side, I think Leighton McIntosh, who was kind of wide left. Yeah, he did well, Leighton McIntosh. I, I like him as a. Uh, a kind of lower league alumni now he scored a decent goal and I think he set up one of the others yeah. it's a good signing as well yeah. over and above that I'm, I'm still not sure about him defensively and it, it, it's hard to gauge that because I mean East Fife are doing well, nine by the end I, I, said, I said that last year mate I said that last year after Stennis Muir were the first team to beat them in, in League 2 they beat them they beat them 3-2 and I think the conclusion I came that was that was the, the the first time seeing them. I thought we I thought we'd take a bleaching in that game, but the, the conclusion I draw from that match is from middle to front they're really good. You know they had Fraser Five in the middle of the park. They had uh, Connor Scully's a right good player. The fullbacks are like, Harry Milne's a decent fullback, uh, but the centre of the park I thought that they're, they're slow. They can they can definitely be got at if you put a bit of pressure on them. They can definitely be got at, and I don't think until they upgrade that defence. I think it's like a Highland League defence like a decent Highland League defence, I don't think until they upgrade that defence, they can seriously think about uh, challenging for promotion. And I think that was shown by Scott Ross's really careless back pass. Really poor, uh, just, really poor. Just far that. too casual. And that was very well-taken goal from Jack Hamilton, so he deserves a bit of credit for that. But he should never have been given the opportunity to uh, get in goal in the first place. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you noticed when you were watching about the highlights, but the second Cove Rangers goal started with it was actually a kick out from the East Fife goalkeeper mm. up to Jack Hamilton, who basically one of I think one of the centre halves kind of nipped in and prodded the ball away from him, and then the move started from the, from that point, which was uh, I think it was late McIntosh. Yeah, down the right. But the somebody was screaming at Jack Hamilton. That started with you. That started with you. <laughs> I did actually. Yeah. I did. 
Somebody right next to the camera. I when, when Macintosh was was going going down. So it begs the question: Who was it? Because it wasn't a fan. It must have been like a maybe a director. Well, I, I asked one of my, one of my pals in East Five supporters, so he thought it would be Lindsay Hamilton. So he's he generally watches the game for the stands. One of the one of the coaches. So he yeah. he suspected it was him, but he didn't know. Right. Well, there, there, there you go. Uh, Lindsay Hamilton, you've been fingered by Sean McGuigan's associate there. Um, is there anything else to say about the, the games in the division? I think they all went as we'd expected. Air Jordan's recorded a 2-0 win over Peterhead. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but that's that's exactly what I expected. Uh, yeah. of, of the other games... Both for Athletic drew 0-0 with Dumbarton. Yeah. That, that, was, that, that was dreadful. That was... Oh, I heard it was shit. Might be a poorer game this season. Uh, and then Montrose uh, going down 3-1 to Falkirk. It's, it's probably what you'd expect out of that. The highlights from that, I think Falkirk were pretty impressive and, and deserved the win. Uh, just about. Uh, maybe Montrose might have, deserved, might have got a point on another day, but again, I mean, there's a lot of red cards. Uh, a lot of red cards on Saturday, and again, they were, they were just to, to, to 10 men, and it was... Callum Morrison's penalty that, that got Falkirk's noses in front. So I was a red card. I mean, to be fair, that was like Andy Steves, like definitely uh, brought him down. Ah, no, not very much so. But that did seem like did seem like there was a lot of red cards uh, on, on Saturday. I, I don't know. I, I think if Falkirk had played as poorly as that last season, when maybe McKinnon was in charge, I don't mm-hmm. know if they would have got the three points. So, so even that feels like a, a progression for them. He's just rubbish, Ray McKinnon, isn't he? <laughs> yes, I, I know we're about to go into League Two, <laughs> but I, I watched Queen's Park highlights against Stirling Albion and Stirling Albion were the better team. Uh, well, we might as well, might as well start in League Two and I know we'll, we'll, we'll talk fact, Sean, just, just keep on keep on going. I've not had the opportunity to watch them yet. I was, do you know something? I think I would say there was a surprise about those, the, 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 the getting a nil-nil draw um, at, at fourth bank, but then, Maybe I'm maybe I'm not. Queen's Park haven't have Queen's Park scored yet this season? I don't think they have. Uh, they I, I can't remember all the league cup. No, scores. they've not. They've, they've, lost, they've beaten two 0 by Partick Thistle, beaten one 0 by Greenock Morton, and you can say yes, those are those are bit bigger teams from better divisions. But as I, I don't know if Simon Murray's played yet. He certainly didn't play no. on Saturday, so he he'll make a massive difference. Craig Slater's to come back as well. But based on. Uh, Based on Saturday, Stirling and Albion looked the better side, and they still had they still had some of their bigger names like Louis Long, Louis Longridge, and, and Grant Gillespie. And I mean, they still had. I, I mean, I, I seen somebody talk about Queens Park last week, and they were talking about the squad that they had put together for League Two was ridiculous. Come off it! I don't see it at all. I know we've already touched on it, but it. it's full-time players who were going nowhere but backwards. Yeah, you're right. you made a good point, Sean. I don't want to keep referring to other podcasts, but you, we, you, when you and I were last on, we went through that team and we said, would the other bottom of the barrel full-time teams, Falkirk and Partick Thistle, would these guys get a game for Falkirk and Partick Thistle? They, they, they looked poor. Uh, a very unimpressive start. Simon Murray will make a massive difference. Uh, so I'm, I'm not writing them off just yet, but it would be very funny if they never won that league. Oh, it's weird. It's weird how... Uh, either it's weird how scenarios can put you off a team. So I have never, I have never had anything against Queens Park ever, but I would now find it very funny if they never won that league. Yeah, you know something. It's, it's no secret that I'm a bit of a mark for Queens Park. I, I, 
Yeah, exactly. I've got, I've got the I've got this new uh, blue and orange strip with the, the polka dots on it. But I've, my my my, uh, my fascination with Queens Park goes back goes back a long time. It's, it's no secret. I've got the home strip as well um, from a couple of years ago. I've written like a an article for Nutmeg about the the team on promotion in two thousand six two thousand seven. Remember uh, Ali Palmer, thoroughly nice guy who who um, who's the editor of Nutmeg. Remember him describing it as the longest article we've ever published in Nutmeg. Remember thinking, well, is that a good thing? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's certainly a long article. It's like in Spinal Tap, they're described as Britain's loudest band. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean anything. Are they good? Are they good? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I, I, I really like Queen's Park as a club. I like the, the, the interaction I've had with supporters like face-to-face in the past is good. It's an away day. I'm probably one of the few people that actually like going to watch games at Hamden. I'm really looking forward to when Lesser Hamden is developed. I mean, that JB McAlpine Pavilion is really, really nice. And that's, I think once uh, Lesser Hamden is developed, Queen's Park will have an absolutely superb setup. And I think folk will really, really look forward to their, 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 their trips there. But just like McKinnon coming in and then just, I'll I, I use the word, Sean, unimaginative. Everything that they've done since since uh, they've gone full-time is just unimaginative. Simon Murray is the only player that they've brought in that you're like, whoa, that's that's really exciting. The rest of them... I'm interestingly, I'm shrugging my shoulders just now. And interestingly, that, that wasn't even one of the two games we're covering in League 2. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the games... Well, if you're talking about a side who might win the title to a side who definitely won't win the title. We're going to Glebe Park where Brecon City were annihilated 5-1 by Edinburgh City. It is going to be a long, 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 long season for, for uh, Brecon City. I, I, I've, I've not seen Cowden Beath yet. I know, they, I know Cowden Beath looked okay in the first half against these five in the, in the League Cup. I've seen a bit of Albion Rovers against Steny and I watched Albion Rovers against Stranraer in the League Cup and I thought it looked okay. They, based on Saturday, they look streets ahead of, of breaking. They look like, uh, you know when, you know when it, it gets like, I don't know, whatever it is, the, the second round of the Scottish Cup and you'll see a team from League Two taking on civil service strollers and it's... They <laughs> Every are, match looks like that. They uh, end up like four, five, six. That That is how... Breaking City versus Edinburgh City looked. They had, it was it was five one, and so I, I watched Edinburgh City's highlights. It only lasted six minutes, and even based on those six minutes, yeah, right from they, the start, right from the start. Right. After nine seconds, yeah. uh, I think Blair Henderson uh, pulled a pulled a, a, a good save at the goalkeeper. I, I sent you a message before we got on. Uh, so this would be about an hour or so. I sent you a message just saying I just started watching the highlights. I've already got my head in my hands watching <laughs> uh, watching how bad. Breakinger, it's like the, the goal, and as well, the goals they lost were, were really poor. The first one, just towards the end of the first half, I think they, they, they'd done reasonably well to keep Edinburgh out. Well, I say they'd done well, I'd say that's actually more down to poor finishing on, on Edinburgh's part than anything else. But they'd, they'd done, they kept Edinburgh out, but the, the goal they lost, a corner kick, Conrad Balatoni, you'd look at him and Blair Henderson and you'd be like, well, these are the two most obvious threats. For, for a corner kick, runs right across the, the centre of the penalty box and, and flicks a, a, a header on at the, the near post. Supremely well taken goal by Balatoni. Don't want to take anything away from him. But it was just so easy. And then after the restart, uh, the, the Liam Brown scores a goal. He's like unmarked at the edge of the box and he's able to, to pass it in. Uh, just a funny uh, story about Liam Brown. Actually, more specifically, Liam Brown's granny. 
when I one of the last games I went to see before lockdown was at Ainsley Park it was actually uh, Edinburgh City against Brecon horrendous game of football probably the worst game of football that I went to uh, last season but I was sitting in the sitting in the crowd and I got chatting the woman next to me very very kind like it was freezing cold she had a blanket and said do you want some of my blanket and, and allow me to so we both had this blanket under our o- o- like over our legs I got talking you're to her you're in the old lady's blanket and this is, so this lady this was Liam Brown's granny and so I spent the whole of the, the second half like nattering away to her Angela, I think her name was, uh, and she was really, really nice. And we were talking about like our son's career. Uh, Liam had started at Queen's Park, our grandson's career, sorry. Liam had started at Queen's Park, looked really, really good. He played in the team, you know that, that David Galt goal against Clyde? Yep. So he played in the Queen's Park team that, that got promoted that season. Did they get promoted? Yeah, they did. Ah, they did. They did get promoted that season. So he, um, he played in that team and he got moved to Motherwell didn't quite work out for him at Motherwell and has gone to Edinburgh but still like still wants to get into full-time football so he's, he's basically lives like a, a full-time footballer at the gym all the time but she was really really nice um, so I'm pleased to say see Liam Brown playing more often and scoring nice goals um, this, that, that was a story like when uh, Biscuits Alan Preston said that Celtic had signed a guy for Belgium whose name I forget but he had sat next to his mum Ah, uh, UEFA game and stuff. <laughs> oh man! Stalin, and uh, because he'd sat next to uh, his mum, was it Charlie Musunda? Right, because yeah. Because he sat next to Charlie Musunda's mum, he decided this boy was this boy was going to be excellent. To be fair, I saw Liam Brown playing. That's the first thing I said to his gran was that I remember seeing him play for Queens Park. I thought he was. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was right good. But that's a horrendous story. That's like. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've been blocked by him on Twitter, but I can still see his tweets. Jim Spence, I don't know if you know of him. Uh, uh, I've never, never heard of him. I can still see Jim Spence's tweets, and they're all just like, the, there's a, like a Twitter account, and it's like historic Dundee pics. And just like, so he'll, it's like a picture of a tram going down some shit tip street in Dundee. And, oh, my uncle's bar was there. It's, and, and, oh, I remember we used to steal apples, three hitting a bit. And it's like, nobody wants to hear your stories, Grandpa. Clear off. Your story, your story was very much like that. That's right, aye. So, so we people have been listening to my Liam Brown story, and people are like, oh god, who's this old fart that they've let on? Is this is this Keenan Community Day? They just let some old jobber in just to just to talk about his me- favourite memories watching football. Absolutely useless. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the listeners uh, for for that. But I mean, it got so bad. One of the things I didn't notice, it got it was so easy for Edinburgh City that. Blair Henderson tried to shoot for 55 yards at one point. So Edinburgh had Edinburgh had 18 shots at goal. It could have been, and like they missed a lot of good chances. It could it could quite easily have been eight or nine. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. And I think it's again going back to something we said before. Mark Wilson would have had a hell of a time trying to convince players to sign for, for breaking. The only guys of any repute that he's got there are like Johnny Page's there, vastly diminished player from the one that we saw at East Fife. Looked like like looks really, really slow, looks looks really sluggish. Michael Payton has, has joined from, from Queen of the South, but like Michael Payton was a good player at one point. That is not that point anymore. Jimmy Scott's still there. Jimmy Scott can be a good player on his day. But again, I mean, he scored the goal, but he's, he's, he's 34. He's on aye, another, another player whose day's gone. So you're really relying on guys that are like 17, 18, 19 
to 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 come and play well. And if go if you go through the start eleven, a left back Dave Mackay was nineteen. One of centre halves Gregor Jordan was eighteen. Left midfielder Leroy Makavora was eighteen. Kieran Ingle's centre midfield was twenty. Uh, next to him was Scott Cusick, eighteen, and then right midfield Matty Todd was nineteen. Yeah. Now, we, I mean, yes, teams further up the food chain will send their young players to to League Two to to toughen up and get game time and help them develop. But they're generally sending one to a team. But to 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 send so many players, or sorry, to have so many of these young guys uh, being in breaking squad because of the twelve that they brought in over the summer eight or 20 or, or, or younger until five teenagers start for that breaking side uh, that, that's, that's not going to be anywhere near good enough No, no I, th- I think we're seeing that reflected in, in the results because it's, 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 it's not as if you're saying like even the one Peter Head where they, scored, where they, where they lost to Peter Head in the league uh, the Betfred Cup 3-1 you would look at that and say oh it looks like they gave it a go in that game they didn't, man. But was it Peter Head were three 0 up going into the interval and then completely took their foot off the gas at the end? I mean, I mean the way Peter Head were playing, Peter Peter Head again could have not not ran about six or seven at the, the finish up. I think the big challenge. I mean, there's a number of challenges for Mark Mark Wilson. But I was watching those highlights, and and what came to me is like, what's training going to be like with these young guys? What's it going to be like? You hear part time players say this when it's even at the winter months. You hear them talk about that. It's when it gets to it's all right training in the summer when it's when it's nice and it's still light when you go up the road. But when you pitch up training at like half past seven on a November night, December night, your team's playing shite. You know, you how do you how do you maintain a, a positive environment that players are, are going to want to go to? That's a big. That's going to be a, a massive challenge for them. I don't know if these guys, if these young guys, are good enough. But for what we're seeing so far. You can maybe get away like with a couple of these youngsters, but like to throw them all in at the same time in a really like, can be a nasty league, quite a cynical league. That's uh, that's going to be a huge challenge for them. On a on a more positive note, your side got off to a, an impressive start. Yeah, it did. We we did three um, one at Clifton Hill. Albion Rovers are a team we have traditionally struggled against. I. Do not think we will struggle against them much this season. I do see a lot of similarities between them and Brecon. I'd look at their back four. The back four was made up of an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 24-year-old. The uh, Finn, Finn Eckerpont. Yeah. He left back for air. I mean, he, yeah. again, only judging by the highlights of the Stranraer game, he, he actually looked like he, he might be decent, but I don't know how he looked against any. He looked all right, actually. I thought the, the both Albion Rovers fullbacks uh, looked okay, and when they, they got forward, they were able to, to, to cause a bit of damage. And Ekrapont could have, could have scored. Uh, Matty Aitken set him up uh, in the, the, the second half, but the 3-1 scoreline was 100% reflective of how the game had gone. Stennis Weir were, were the better team throughout the entire match. There was a brief moment, I think, it, when they were 2-0 up, that they, you know, sometimes you see a 2 0 lead, the team sits a wee bit deep and pressure comes onto them. There's a bit of a stramash midway through the second half, but nothing that, that Graham Smith was, wasn't overworked. And I think the consolation at the end, I'm not sure how deserved that was, to be honest, on the, on the, the, the balance of play. Um, talking about Steny, first, I think too early to, to, to judge um, 
Sten Smear because they've again Albion Oars weren't a very good side but there are a couple of players that have that, that stood out and impressed me I think like Callum Tapping um, I, I I didn't expect him to be as good as he is to be honest I've always known him to be like a like a decent like lower league central midfielder but seeing the way he makes space for himself and the, 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 the type of passes he's playing the diagonals that are going into space we need to just give him the ball all the time and just let him do it. Let him come deep, give him the ball. Some of the centre-backs are booting it along. Give him the ball, let him play the diagonals, let him make the space for himself. The problem is with that, though, is that he's incredibly injury-prone. He's shown that throughout the, the best part of his career that you'll probably get about half a season out of him. You'll spend the rest of the time in the bench. There's probably ill-advised to, to build your team around someone like that, but he was really did they, good. Did they give him the 90 minutes? Yeah, he did. He got the 90 minutes. I was. He was very good. The other boy that really impressed me was a guy called Callum Yates, who's coming on loan from Hibernian. Him and a boy, Jaden Fairley, have both come on loan. Fairley's been a bit peripheral so far, but Yates will start every game. And in my opinion, as thoroughly merits it. Really, like he's quite stocky. Like he's quite quite wee, but he's like difficult to shove off the ball. Got a good cross in him. Can run up and down the flank all day and can get wired in. And I suppose from a place like Albion Rovers, where you you know that the team are you know they'll be up for a fight. It's a minging pitch. You want to see that from your players, and that's something that uh, we got from him. There are two players I'd like to mention where uh, Paul Brown and Jack Hodge. They were making their league debuts. Uh, two young guys. I think he signed them from might have been both from Dunfermline played in the middle of the park alongside tapping because uh, Ryan Blair uh, Ryan Blair has started he's um, self-isolating at the moment yeah, so it was good to see them do well all you ask at uh, games at Albion Rovers get stuck in win your duels win your second balls try to pass the ball about a bit and, and they both they both managed to do that so yeah fair play to them they look uh, Steny look far better than the, the kind of bottom feeders of or the potential bottom feeders of that decision that, that division. But do you think they can? You think they can push for top four? That's interesting. I I was, I was when I was at the in doing the, the stadium announcing for the the Erdie game. I got talking to the like some of the directors and I was asking any any other players coming in. They said they said probably not. And the the way they want because the way they want to run the team this season is you've got a core of you've probably got about 13, 14 guys who are in their mid-20s into their 30s, all guys that are well-known names around the lower leagues, and you're augmenting them with these guys, these teenagers that have come in. But apparently teenagers have all shown up very, very well. Every one of them has shown up very well. So that that's good. And then, like I say, seeing Brown and Hodge coming in, that's really good. However, the problem is, like I say, tapping. He's, he's going to be the key man for Stennis this year. If he's missing then there's a big onus on, on Ryan Blair and I think Ryan Blair suits playing further forward tapping suits well coming deep whereas Ryan Blair suits, suits playing further forward it changes his game up a wee bit so I, like I say early days wait and see though wait and see I was, I was like I say I was impressed by what I saw not so much impressed by Albion Rovers I think like like in terms of the Brecon City comparisons they are they're a young team but what they do have is they've got like Brian Reed as a manager who's known for that sort of cautious, like organised approach. I think that might hold them in good stead in trying to avoid finishing in tenth. Matty Aitken will be a really important player for them. Very impressed by him. Thought he was arguably the best player in the park. And like Gregor Fotheringham's a decent option in the middle of the park. Someone who can get stuck in. Somebody who can play a bit of football as well. And I think those uh, those two guys will, will have a big 
they'll they'll make a big impact for for the Rovers going forward. And is that is that the extent of Albion Rovers' ambition this season? Don't finish tenth. I think so. It's, I mean, it's a, what what do you expect if you've got if you if you compare if you want to compare them to the teams in the division? You say Queens Park will be expected to win it. Edinburgh, still on Albion, Steny, Cowden, Annan. All these teams will be expected to to challenge for the playoffs. And then you look, you break down their squads, and then you're kind of looking at the the Rovers, and you're like, James, I'm I'm not too sure about them. I'd say I'd say they, they'll 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 probably eighth or ninth for, for the Rovers. Club I like as well. Albion Rovers, I like them. I like uh, quite like going to Clifton Hill. Um, but I th- I think it'll be a difficult season for them. That's why Matty can all be so important for them. I, I I like going to Clifton Hill as well. I, I think it's disappointing when people say they don't like going to places like Clifton Hill and Cowdenbeath. It's not as if you're going there every week. Aye, and it's, you know something. What would you? What would you rather go and watch your football? Would you rather go to Bayview or would you rather go to like Central Park to watch your football? I think Bayview. Bayview. The thing is, like a Bayview, Oakleview, um, the Rock, Ainsley Park. Ainsley Park's the worst place in the country to watch football. Say that man, absolutely miserable. But I, I, I like the Rock. I like going to the Rock, but only only because of the walk up to the stadium. Aye, that's that's nice. But when you're actually in there. Like if you built the stand, if you built the Why would you? Why would you want the, probably the, the most magnificent view in Scottish football? So you build your stand so you can't see it. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. What were the other games in that division, Sean? We had uh, Cowden Beef going three 0 down uh, at an Athletic. I, I have, I have not seen it. But I, I kind of, I kind of expected that. Anna and Anna are generally there or thereabouts. They, they have. Uh, a setup off the park that is that is geared up for League One football, but they've never had a team on the park that to, to kind of facilitate that. I kind of expect them to be in the same the same place again this season. Yeah, fair enough. I probably, probably agree with that. I, I I think that's a that's two good results. I, I mean, I'm thinking Anna might be the also runs, but they've beaten Hamilton three one, and then you go away to Cowden, a side who, yeah, you can say Cowden's form tailed off towards the end of the season, the tail end of last season, but they, they still finished in the top four. You know, and, and, fairness, they, and fairness, they always be humble and still never get promoted. Okay, that's fair enough. So that's where we can see Anna Athletic, another seventh place finish for them. <laughs> and the, the last game, again, a bit of a shock for two teams that would fancy themselves in the, the hunt for the playoffs. Stranraer won, Elgin City four. I, I, I wonder how good Stranraer are going to be this season. I mean, I, 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 I presumed Elgin would have regressed. They lost Robbie Omar, they've lost Shane Sutherland. Uh, I watched the game and, and Elgin looked head and shoulders above Stranraer yeah. I, I still don't know how good Elgin are I, I do now start to wonder if Stranraer is actually going to struggle this season Fancy that that's, that's, that's interesting I, I, I did fancy Stranraer uh, this season based on some of the signs they brought in I thought Greg Fleming is a, a good goalkeeper and, and probably as good a goalkeeper as they can get to replace Max Curry of course who joined Adrian's Kieran Miller in the middle of the park, who got sent off actually in that match. He got sent off with ten minutes to go. In terms of ball-winning midfielders, there aren't many as good as him. And I think having played, I like him alongside somebody who's a bit more subtle in their play. In um, Grant Gallagher, there's a good bit of balance in the middle of the park there. But I just even I didn't watch all the highlights. I just saw Russell Dingwall's goal. But you know, a lovely bit of play for Smarter Saddler to set him up. But even then, do you think, geez, oh, you mean you're somebody want to close him down here? I mean, I'd I'd watched uh, I'd watched Renoir during the week as well against Albion Rovers, mm-hmm. and they looked 
better team. And I thought, ah, you know something, Stromar have played some decent football here and they, they, might, be, they might be fine this season. However, fast forward a few days and actually it just looks like the Albion Rovers are, are not very good and Stromar still couldn't come out on top of it. They, they had to take it to penalties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that, Sean. I'd agree with that. So, it feels remarkable. It feels like we're finishing up early. It feels like we've missed something, but we, we haven't because there's nothing. there can't be anything else to talk about. We have, we have touched on all 15 games in the lower leagues. Is this what we used to do? I remember going around the Fowler's flat and and um, you you'd focus on teams in general. This was those podcasts were forty minutes back in those days. Now it's just it's like this is every podcast I do. We Sean's like the equivalent of be here now minus the cocaine. Loud, loud, noisy. Probably feels like we've missed something because we haven't talked for two and a half hours. Yeah, aye, that's it. It's probably a good time then, just to yeah. Before we keep on going and procrastinating, let's just we just want to finish up there. Yes, yes. Excellent. Let you catch the second half of the Standard Liège versus Rangers game. Sean, as always, a pleasure. Um, in fact, I'll save that. I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. But remember, a view from the terrace is on tomorrow night. This is a Thursday, so a view from the terrace is on Friday on the BBC Scotland channel at half past ten. There's going to be some really good laughs in that. I was hoping you'd back me up there, Sean. There'll yeah, be no, no sorry, I, I, I didn't realise you, you were throwing it to me. I, uh, I had a... I had a, a better laugh uh, filming this one than I did uh, the week before, and I had a good laugh the, the week before. You are dressed as a, the greatest showman at, at one part. I, I think it would be very much worth uh, checking out. Excellent. I, there's nothing else to add to that. So, McGuigan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.